So, um, we're just going to wrap up the last, we had one last bullet point for last week's class that we didn't get to, but it's one of those things I've been trying not to restrict dialogue because I think this class, once again, the value comes from the dialogue. Um, it's not just someone up here talking, it's actually from people sharing experiences. We have people in here that have dealt with depression personally. Uh, they have family members who are experiencing depression. They have friends who are experiencing it. Um, so that, that's where, like I said, the true value comes in. So last week, the, the thrust of it was getting into more of the application, like we were uh, going through each class. We said the last two classes are going to be application, biblical steps to a solution. Uh, we talked about the body, the soul. The last point was the spirit. And this one's going to be relatively quick, but we should not discount it, how important the, the spirit is. And that come on in. Make sure you all get a packet, because we're going to be really referencing, ref, referencing these packets a lot throughout class. How important the spirit is with regards to the stewardship of our lives when it comes to depression. Uh, because the Holy Spirit is, is something that we need to let it intercede for us. We need to realize the importance of that. Um, and if we don't, then that's where we um, cut God out because that's part of God's plan. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. It is God's presence within us. It is the Word. And so it's key. So with that, we're going to kick start off. Uh, this is probably going to be the only time I'm going to ask for a volunteer. And then we're going to go around. If I can get someone to read Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So how do we let the Holy Spirit have its way in our hearts and how do we let it intercede? We can pray for it. Pray. You need to not have a stubborn will, but to have an open mind and absolutely a desire for help. Absolutely. And that help could come to us in, in how many different ways? Innumerable ways. What about the word? Do we need to dig into the Word? Is that how He intercedes? Is that maybe through brothers and sisters in Christ coming to us and trying to help us? Mm -hmm. There's so many ways in which the Holy Spirit helps us in, in our time of need, right? And this, I mean, the Lord knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. What, what's a key piece to this, though? That last part I just read. For the what? For the saints. Does it say for anybody and everybody? No, it doesn't. So do we have something that everybody else doesn't have? Absolutely. What a blessing that is to have the Holy Spirit interceding for us. Who else, who else also intercedes for us? Jesus Christ. Absolutely. So, so the Holy Spirit is a crucial piece to us taking action by letting Him into our hearts so that way we can help fight off depression, see the light, help somebody else, whatever it might be. Anybody have any comments on that before we get into tonight's class? This, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Now what 
Is that talking about my spirit? Which part? The third line down. So, I, so do you do you believe that God searches our hearts? Do you believe that? Okay. That's what I'm kind of wondering because I know there's a there's an aspect of where you're they say you're only fooling yourself, where you might be thinking and not being truly honest with yourself, even in your prayer. True, but I have a question: If you're letting the Holy Spirit guide you in your study and in the things that you do, are you less likely to fool yourself? I, w I would say you're less likely to because God's not trying to have you fool yourself. If you're going to the Scriptures and you're, you're studying with a pure and honest heart, <clears throat> are you going to be more real with yourself? Are you going to strive to maybe have more of God's perspective and, and see which we're going to get into, maybe why this depression is in your life, maybe God's perspective on it, uh, maybe the purpose behind it. If we have the Holy Spirit and we're delving into His Word and we're praying to God and asking Him for help, we are less likely to, when we're focusing on God and His will, to focus on our own heart, which will deceive us. Does that make sense? Does that, does that answer your question? I'm not sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> does anyone else maybe have a better answer to that? That might be because, like I said, I'm not the only one that... It sounded like he was asking the mind of the spirit. It's capitalized there, spirit. Is it our spirit or the spirit? For the spirit himself intercedes yeah. for us, which is the Holy Spirit, with groanings too deep for words, and he also searches hearts. Uh, what is the mind of the, of the spirit? So, but that he is not capitalized. And it's, and no, he it's, spirit spirit. it's us that searches our hearts no, I'm so that we will the know the mind of the Spirit. The mind of the Spirit. Down the last the line. Last, that last full line. Right, right here. Right here. Yep. So, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. So you I know, I don't know if the he maybe is just a clerical error or a, a, a I think he typo. I think he is not always capitalized or it could right. be a typo. But uh, the New American Standard, and it capitalizes he. Okay, so mm -hmm. it, it, in reading it, to me, and what I was saying earlier, I believe it is God. Mm -hmm. However, you know, that more solidifies it for us. But the mind of the Spirit. I would say the mind of the Spirit would be the Holy Spirit, which who intercedes for us, who is searching, who, who knows us. Because we let him into our hearts. Mon says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Then that brings it all. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you. No, that's yeah, great. Thank you for clarification. It's the um, ESV. All right. So, you notice the screen is getting lighter now. We're coming out of the darkness. I did that first. All right. <laughs> biblical solutions to depression, part two. So, we're going to jump into more biblical application. Uh, first, I want to ask that everyone get a handout. Okay, fantastic. So, knowing God's word and his purpose can make a real difference in our lives and also in other people's lives. But the thing is, is we might have all this knowledge. We've just dove into all kinds of sorts of information. But the actual application is the important part, right? We might have all this knowledge and we might understand that, you know, women go through stressful times because of hormones and, and we, we might know all this information. But unless we actually have something to help us apply it, is there really any value in that knowledge? No. So tonight is all about tools, okay? So with that being said, we're going to jump in 
and we're going to go over some tools. And Jan was nice enough. Uh, the other night she actually uh, shared with me that she found value in one of the tools that I handed out in other, with the other classes. And that actually was very encouraging to me because tonight was going to be all about those types of tools. So that, that actually uh, made me feel good that as we jump in tonight that hopefully it will be valuable to you uh, as well so that way you can use it to help other people. Um, with that, in your packet that you, you have, there's going to be five different tools. And these tools are to help you or maybe to help someone else or to make copies and give to other people. So our goal is to use these tools to help us fight depression. With that, we're going to delve in. And each one is numbered at the top. You have class 6.1, 6.2, all the way through 6.5. Uh, the very first one that we're going to jump into is uh, a uh, positive uh, perspective on depression. And that's kind of a tough thing to have, right? Is depression something that's positive? No, it's not. So, you know, do you look at your depression uh, from a dark point of view, or is there maybe a light point of view in which you can look at it, which is kind of a funny thing to say. But if we look at it through maybe God's eyes and how we can look at it through His perspective, maybe we can actually change our view of our depression and turn it into a good thing. All right? So the way this is going to go is... I'm going to say a couple uh, comments and read off of it, and then we're going to go in round and we're going to have you all read. So then that way we're not waiting for a volunteer. But our goal is to go through each one of these sheets and, and look at the tools, so then that way you will have reviewed each one of these tools, and then that way you'll have mentally in your mind and you'll have this in your back pocket, so if you ever need it, you can reference it. Because if you never <laughs> review it, you might never know what's in it, and then you might never pull the tool out. Sound good? So, Zach, we're going to start with you, and then we're going to go this way, and we'll just zip back and forth. All right? So, a positive perspective on depression. Uh, you need to see your life from God's perspective. I think that's crucial. I think so many times we just look at our own lives through our own perspective, and that's, that's where we go wrong. Uh, he cares about you, and He has positive plans for you. So, if you could read that scripture for us. The Lord says in Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. You need to also know that God has a purpose for everything He allows in your life. Uh, one of the most misquoted scriptures is, is God doesn't tempt us past what we can handle. Does God tempt us? No. Does He allow us to be tempted beyond what we can handle? No. So, what happens whenever you put gold in a fire? It refines it. Sometimes, it, well, always, it cooks off the impurities and it comes out more pure. So, nothing in your life occurs that has not been filtered through God's fingers. If God permits it, it can be used for your good and to His <coughs> glory. And in the end, what are we all here to do? Glorify God, right? So, if you could read the next verse, please. The Lord's Word says in Romans 8.28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. You also need to know that there will be times when your heart will be pressed down, but also times of restoration because God is a healer of broken hearts. So, who's the great physician? Right, absolutely. He heals us when we give our hearts over to Him and He knows how to restore our joy. Who is our Creator? So who knows better how to fix us than God? Nobody, right? 
Can you read the next verse? Yes. Um, Psalm 147.3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. You need to know that no matter how great your depression or despondency, God can open your eyes to His purpose in your life. Just as a storm replenishes the dry, parched soil, giving birth to new life, the storm in your life can revitalize your relationship with the Lord and give birth to personal growth beyond what you could ever imagine. Who here has been in the darkest of dark days, but then after they got through it, they look back and they see just a whole new them? It's hard to see that when you're in it though, right? You can read the next scripture. The Lord's word says in Psalm 119, verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. So when we look at this, 6.1, it's a positive perspective. Lisa, can you read 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18? So we do not lose heart. Um, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Okay, so our first tool, a positive perspective. How can you use this tool? I think like in a sense of hopelessness, we um, probably reflect back on hearing about this and go through, if we remember my like, memory, go to this pamphlet and to go for the first page, obviously, for a positive highlight note and start reading the verses and maybe do around the road digging. Okay. The verses. So if you're struggling with it, you can sit down and just read through this and refresh your mind on what God's perspective is, right? Or can you hand this off to someone? Can you do that as well? Make copies of it? Maybe just sit down and read them with them? So the key is use it as a tool. All right. Any comments on God's perspective? Yes. I think that a good, a practical way that's helped me in life that to kind of help with anxiety is to have this positive perspective mm -hmm. because uh, if you're always thinking uh, about how no matter what God's going to lead you down the right path no matter what you choose kind of takes it off your shoulders and I think I find a lot of times we you know we say we we give it over to God and a lot of times you know I, I, I just didn't know what that meant right and I think that a lot of ways for me that's how how I do that in my life is I give it over to God because I stop kind of worrying about it, what I can do about it. I just say, you know what, whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen, and I trust that God's going to do the right thing for me. That's awesome. No, that's true. I think and that helps with anxiety and, and then, you know, feeling feeling negative about yourself. You always have that positive perspective because even if it's a bad thing that's happening to you, you know, there's something, there's something coming on the other side of this. Absolutely. Come on up finish the class. <laughs> no, I agree. No, I agree. Um, if we struggle with depression, or we're around someone who does, if we notice ourselves slipping into this a little deeper than we need to be, we need to rewind ourselves and pull this up, um, not let ourselves get to the bottom before right. we start trying to get out of it. But when you start to slip, say, hey, I need to refresh my perspective and, and try and, and get out that way. And if we're with someone that we know struggles with that, struggles with a 
of perspective in general, we can help by reminding them uh, as we see them, as opposed to waiting until it's a problem. Absolutely. I mean, does it make sense to, to wait till someone's fully drowned before you try to pull them out of the water? No. And also, I, I'm glad that you said this, you know, for ourselves, if we feel ourselves slipping into this, what's the value of waiting until you hit rock bottom before you try to get yourself out of the, the depression or out of the, the stressful situation or the mindset that you're in? Yeah, the further way to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're just falling deeper into the hole before you try to get yourself out. And also, I mean, most of us here are, are parents. Some, some are not, but you have coworkers, you have brothers, you have sisters. You have friends. I have a question, because I, I know I can answer this. When I'm having a bad day, or I'm stressed, or I'm depressed about something, does my family suffer from it? Absolutely. So if I'm just going to be focused on myself, and, and have a perspective of, you know, I'm just, man, things are horrible, and I don't take into account the fact that I'm not doing anything good for myself or my soul, I'm not doing anything good for my wife, I'm not doing anything good for my children, why wouldn't I try to get myself out of that situation? Because there's more at risk than just me. There's the people around me, the people that I influence. Um, there's my children that are watching me, how I deal with stressful situations. And if I know that children of people who suffer from depression are more likely to be vulnerable to it, how much more do I need to focus on getting myself right and get myself out of it so that way my children are less likely to have struggles with it or they see me pull myself up by my own bootstraps or I, they see me go get help or whatever it might be so that way they can see that in action, yeah. right? That's crucial because they're watching you when you don't know it. Someone else had a comment? I thought I saw him. All right, moving on. Fantastic. I love it. All right, let's go on to 6.2. What is God's purpose for depression? Step back and see how your depression can bring glory to God. Now, is that, is that tough? Your heart is just absolutely crushed, right? I found my heart, by the way. It was shoved up, up in the back of my truck. I put it in my car and I forgot to bring it in. So, is it hard to, to step back and see purpose in it and how you can bring glory to God whenever you're just in the darkest, darkest times? Absolutely it is, right? However, if we step back and see what God's purpose is for depression, or dark days, or stressful moments, what that will help us do is it will help us weather those times better, but because we know that there's a greater purpose maybe involved in it, right? So we're going to... Someone say something? Oh, so we're going to jump in. The first one is, maybe possibly for you, it is to develop your obedience. Let's go to the scripture for that, whoever's next. Psalm 119, 67, 71, and 72. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might, might learn your statutes. The law of your Lord... Let me slow down. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Does this not sound like someone that was going through tough times, says his affliction? But how did he come out on the other end? Did he not see that through that affliction, it helped him uh, better learn God's law and, and his word and his understanding? <coughs> Absolutely. 
So next, to reveal your weakness and Christ's power. That's key. But he, Jesus, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So, we're Americans, man. Red-blooded. We got this. We can handle it. We're strong. Right? That's just kind of our culture to a certain point, right? It's just kind of drilled into us. Just this power, this ego, this thing. you got to do that in business. You know, as a police officer, we, we had to stand strong, have command presence. I got this. When I was in banking, this is my whole bank. You come to my bank, i got control here. Everything we do in this country is all based on power and, and working your way up and being strong, right? Is that what it says here is, is key? Where do you grow? Where, where, where are we made strong? Where are we made sufficient? In our weakness. And I think this is, this, when we were doing the favorite verses, this is one of mine. Is this is Paul's thorn in the flesh that's being referred to here. And his thorn in the flesh wasn't taken away. No. So sometimes we have to realize whatever is going on, the situation may never go away, or but our reaction to it and how we deal with it. Right is what we can strengthen and become more positive in and use in a more godly way. Absolutely. I'm because always, of all, oh, sorry, what? I've always had trouble understanding this verse. You know, I think it's so powerful because say you get a, a uh, you have terminal cancer. Is that going to go away? Probably not. Say you lose someone. Is that going to go away? Probably not. Think of all the things that happen in your life that you just you're not going to recover from, or it, it's something that can't be reversed, or whatever it might be. I'm so thankful that this is in here because it's not all rainbows and unicorns every time in the scriptures. Sometimes it's like the storm's not going to be taken away from me. But the key is. I guess the rainbows and unicorns come whenever you take on God's perspective. And you understand that we're not, we're not made for this world, right? Where's our glory to be had? It's in heaven. It's to be with God. So, if our perspective is earthly, and we just dwell on the earthly things when earthly things that are bad happen to us, what happens? We get into a deep, dark depression, right? And if there are things that aren't going to ever change, are we ever going to come out of it? No. However, if we accept it, this is, this is my weakness, but this is where I can be perfected. This is where I can humble myself and actually truly look to God and turn my life over to Him. And I can look beyond this life and have an eternal life with no tears, no pain, none of this. <clears throat> what more can you ask? Right? And, and that's something you have to constantly sometimes remind yourself of is changing your mind to look at things in that way. And that can make you stronger. And if you can use that to make you stronger, then it's a good thing. Absolutely. Because if it can make you stronger and make you go to heaven, then it's a good thing. Absolutely. But I don't think, he, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can get to the point, but I don't know if you can get to the point where it's just, you just have to keep reminding yourself and keep 
looking at it that right. way, and maybe that'll get into a habit that you. But it is a good way to look at it. It because is. If everything is good in every in your life, and nothing bad ever happens, then how can you get any stronger? Right. And how can you get that perspective? And there, you know, there's a scripture that says it's better to go to the house of mourning. Why do you think that's there? Do people get more pensive and think about the more important things in life whenever someone passes away or whenever times are dark or whenever they're struggling with something? It's true. Absolutely. But one of the things that we need to realize is that are we going to have reoccurrences where we might have sadness where something happens? We were talking about, um, it, it's called a situational anniversary depression. It's maybe the anniversary of the, the date, like the day when my father died. Whenever that date rolls around, I'm always a little bit sadder. That's okay. What I do with that sadness, though, and how I let it affect me long term, is crucial, though. There's nothing wrong with having a moment and going, man, I really miss him. But we need to make sure that we then quickly go, but I'm still here. I need to get to work for God. I need to focus on what's important, whatever it might be. You know, so it's one of those things that, it's, once again, it's not a magic pill. But we need to make sure that we're diligent in seeing our weakness in comparison to Christ's graceness, His blood, and what heaven has to hold for us in comparison to this world. Awesome. All right. Next point. To develop endurance, character, and hope. Romans 5, 3 through 5, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope do not, does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into, into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So i got a question. To get stronger, do you have to tear your muscles sometimes? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So if we go through this entire life, and we don't ever... Um, exercise our emotions, are we ever going to be, become stronger emotionally? Right? So, say you have someone, bear with me here, you have someone that's built like Pee Wee Herman. I don't know if any of you know who Pee Wee Herman is. You guys know just He's a beanpole, skinny and everything like that. And then he just steps right in and he's going to do one of these, um, where these like universe man things where they flip poles and they lift these big boulders and all this stuff. He just walks in. He's never lifted a thing in his life. Is he going to be able to walk in there and just lift all that stuff and do everything? No. He's never exercised his muscles a day in his life. Right? So you can't expect someone who's ever exercised their emotions to be able to grow. So that's what life is. You start out, it's all about you. Your parents whoop you, hopefully, kind of get you on track, teach you a few things along the way, and as life goes on, you, you deal with the emotions of life and you get stronger and stronger and stronger. So then as you get older, you deal with things that hit you a little bit harder usually and are a little bit longer lasting and you keep going until finally the day that you die. So, does dark days help make you stronger? Absolutely. Do the little ones maybe help you so in the future when you have a big one, give you endurance to get through it? Absolutely. So, I love that verse. The next point, to make you more teachable. Jan? Um, the Lord will 
Lord's word says in Psalm 119.71, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. That one pretty much speaks for itself, right? So whenever we're in our darkest days, hopefully it turns us to God and we'll dig in and we'll study His Word. Jason? Yes. I think also, uh, the thing that helps me remember is in not only does it make you more teachable, but it helps prepare you to teach others. True. Maybe guide other people. Maybe maybe you're going through this because God has a plan to put you in somebody else's life. Absolutely. But maybe, maybe going through something similar and you might be the person who helps them through that. True. No, absolutely. And that's part of this class. You know, there's some things that I haven't experienced, but there's things that in this class other people have that by them speaking up, it helps me maybe be a little bit more prepared if it does happen to me and or maybe I'm going through something that they've already gone through it helps me better understand how I can get through it. So, very true. It makes you more compassionate as well. It does. When, you, when someone else is struggling in a similar way, you can really relate. And Which you know why? right away to start praying for them. Sure. Tell them you're praying for them. And you know what helped you, so you can maybe help do that for them and help get them through the process quicker. Absolutely. Which is why God wants elders to have had a family so they can relate to raising children. No, I, I believe that's true. The last point, actually there's two more, or a few more. To give you a desire for eternal glory rather than temporal pleasures. Romans 8.18 For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. When we, can, when we consider the, this earth compared to heaven, the darkness of this earth, there's no comparison, right? On the back of that page, to test the genuineness of your faith. The Lord's Word says in 1 Peter 1, 6-7, In this you rejoice, and now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the, testing, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, this. what scripture this also brings to mind is the seed, right? You know, some of that seed got choked out. Its faith wasn't genuine. It wasn't deep. So, uh, dark times can help us to actually truly test our faith. It's to help uh, develop maturity. The Lord's Word says in James 1, 2-4, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. Is, is it God's goal for us to be drinking milk for the rest of our lives as Christians? No. So as we have trials, can it make us stronger? Absolutely. And then last... To cause you to rely on God instead of your own strengths and resources. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raised, raised us from the dead. So do we have any strength in comparison to God? Did, he, did we create ourselves? Do we sustain ourselves? 
you know, can we raise ourselves from the dead? So when we look at it from that macro view, that He is our Creator, He is the one that's going to take us from death to life again. When we look at ourselves and our strength in comparison to His, there's no comparison, right? That's right. And I'm sorry, guys, are you hot in here? Yeah, it's Because I'm cooking up here. I'm going to try to turn on the air conditioner while we're sitting here. Um, let's go to the next one, 6.3. Does anyone have anything else on that one? All right, excuse me just for one second here. This would be the big classroom, right? What's that? No, they got a pin on it. I tried. You walk on it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, uh, I'm not, I, don't, I don't have enough clearance for this uh, <laughs> place. Let me get Dave up here. He can do it. He has more brass. He has more brass than I do. He, he's a little bit I older. I have brass, but I don't have that pin, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're doing something because it's chicken. Did it change? Okay, I just went and cranked all of them down to 67, so we're going to freeze everybody out, y'all. <laughs> All right, so the next one here, 6.3. 6.3. So this is um, how to conquer depression. I thought this was cool. Uh, you know, the, the words each have a, uh, what's, what's that called? It's a acrostic. Thank you. Acronym or acrostic. Absolutely. So um, the first one, what do we do? We're to confront any loss in our life, allowing yourself to grieve or be healed. So we got to acknowledge it, right? What's the first step when you're alcoholic? You need to realize it. Right? We need to actually uh, acknowledge the fact that we're struggling with something and confront it with ourselves so that way we can actually take it to the next step. Then we need to offer our hearts to God for cleansing and confess our sins. So if it's sin that's causing us to de be depressed, we need to go to God and lay that at God's feet. And we need to pray to Him, ask Him to take our anxieties away from us. We need to go to God, and maybe it's not the sin that's causing us to be depressed, but there's something else. We need to go to God and ask for forgiveness of our sins so that way our prayer can be heard. So we need to make sure that we, we go to God and, and beg Him to, to, to come into our lives and help us through it. We need to nurture thoughts that focus on God's great love for you or nurture thoughts in somebody else. Make sure that they realize God loves them. Make sure you realize that God loves you. He created you. Uh, he gave His Son for you. Um, you know, he, he wants to help you and take your anxieties. You need to quit the negative thinking and the negative self-talk. We talked about that a little bit, how people have a tendency to get a little bit more negative. They might even start bullying other people, whatever it might be. If it's you doing it, you need to stop it. Strive to be more positive. Or if you acknowledge someone else is doing it, understand that maybe there's a reason why they're doing it. Okay? You uh, need to understand God's... Uh, eternal purpose for allowing personal loss and heartache. We just went all through that, right? His perspective and His purpose. We also need to exchange our hurt and anger for the choice to give thanks. That's hard to do, right? When we're struggling in our lives and times are the darkest, that's when we need to give God the glory and thank Him for what's going good in our lives. Thank Him for being in our lives. Thank you for remembering us when we're at our darkest moments. And then last, we need to remember that God is sovereign over our life and He promises hope for our future. If we remember that, that's that light at the end of the tunnel. And this is something that I thought was valuable. So as you uh, come in contact with maybe depression in your own life or someone else's, it'll give you a step-by-step -step process of maybe a way to, to tackle it. All right?
Let's go on to 6.4. We're cruising now, y'all. So this one right here is how you can help. I really want to get to the last one because it's the do's and don'ts. Um, how you can help. You know, you, you learn all you can about depression. And I'm so thankful for the turnout for this class because here's the deal. You might not have it, but you might know someone who will in the future. You can help them. So uh, learning about it is, is a, a great way in which you can help people. Talking about it with people, uh, not being afraid to, to, to talk about your own depression. Um, if suicide is a concern, uh, ask them if they're thinking about hurting themselves. Don't be shy about that. If you care about them, you want to find out so that way you can help them. Uh, be an accountability partner. You know, be that person that's always there for them. If it's a 2 o'clock call that they need to make, let them know that you're there for them. That they're, they're able to reach out to you. And here's the deal. Do a lot of people mask their depression and shut off? Contact them regularly. That's what I was meaning by being honest in your heart with yourself. Masking it from yourself. Yeah. You can. But but hopefully, as we have gone through this, there have been some tools that people can get from it to help see that going on in their own lives. So that way they could get help. Or the closest people to you could recognize it and help you get the help you need. Um, listen to them. Listen to their pains. So sit down and talk with them. Have ears. Shut your mouth and listen for a little bit first before you say anything. Okay? Uh, verbally encourage them. Recognize the power of touch. Put your hand on theirs. Put your arm around them. Sit side by side. Don't sit confrontational. There's things that you can do to... to to connect with people. Got to be careful with this. I'm not going to put my arms around some girl that, you know, it's one of those things you got to be careful with this for guys and girls, but, you know, make sure that you're, you're, you recognize the power of touch. Maybe have a singing in your home. Get them in, involved with other people. Bring laughter into their lives. Go do fun things with them. Enlist help from other friends and family members. And last but not least, pray for them regularly. All right. I know we went through that fast, but you can read those and go through them. Can you make it real quick, Sam, because I want to get to this. That was great. Okay, sorry. So the last one, do's and don'ts. So this is crucial. Um, I thought this one was powerful because of the fact that it's, it's key for us to know what to say and what not to say. And that is not what I had hoped happened. <laughs> okay, so do me a favor. Please read this because it, it's key for us to realize that when we say certain things, we can really kind of send people further along into their depression. You know, you shouldn't feel that way. That's not going to help anybody. If you're feeling something, you're dark, someone just saying your emotions aren't valid right now and you shouldn't feel that way, is that going to help them at all? So it's knee-jerk reaction for us to do that sometime. But if you could do me a favor, please read through each one of these and just use each one of these as maybe a way in which we can better understand that there's a way to say something and there's a way not to say something. And the way to say something sometimes might be not, not natural because it's hard for ourselves to put ourselves out there and really connect with people, but it's to their benefit and you can help them, okay? So I sincerely hope these tools will help you. Please utilize them. They're going to be out on the website and thank you so much for all your participation in class. I hope you guys. Awesome. Great class. Yeah, good class. Thank you. Great.